And I understood that this has to work at some fundamental level. At some fundamental level, you have to enjoy playing chess. It's the most cliche thing to say, but it cannot be about going there and collecting a check or holding a trophy or giving interviews. It has to be because you like moving pieces. And if you can't get that right, in nothing you cannot fool yourself forever. And it's the most cliche thing to say. For the ones who are still guessing, the voice that you heard was that of uh, Vishwanathan Anand, the reigning world champion in chess. Welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and I have with me Ashish Mishra, the senior features writer who had this uh, enviable opportunity to interview Anand for the story. Hi, Ashish. Hi, Abhishek. And I also have Srinivasan, the associate editor, who collaborated on the story. Hi, Srini. Hello, Abhishek. Ashish, let's start with you. How was uh, the experience, if you could take us through, of interviewing to one of the most media evasive personalities? You know, I started with a complete surprise when I actually landed at Vishwanathan Anand's house and I rang the bell and uh, it was Anand himself who opened the doors. And you can imagine the surprise that I had. But it was fabulous. You know, the man is completely simple, very down to earth, uh, and fabulous experience for me. I'm interested to know which time of the day did you go and did he offer you something to eat, which is South Indian, because he's from Bangalore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was in the evening. I met him around 4.30 in the evening. I definitely had tea there, and there was a small cake there, which, which I definitely grabbed on. I'm sorry, there was no South Indian delicacies for me. You're meeting Anand, so that's not what you go there for, for the food, definitely. But on a more serious note, uh, I posed this question to a few people that I know to come up with uh, one word when uh, the words Vishwanathan Anand are placed to them, and here's what they said. Humility, intense, speechless, strategist, calm, intellectual, geek, grace, you met him in person. What's the one word that, that you would use to describe him? I think humble will be my understanding of the man. All of that, the characteristics that you've mentioned, definitely hold up for Anand. I mean, he's very smart. And uh, just for a fact, he's probably one of the most well-read chess players you know, in the world today. The man definitely reads, I know for sure that he definitely reads Kotler's Book of Management and Potter's Competitive Strategy really? purely for entertainment and knowledge. If, if you're looking for insights, I mean, you can talk to him about any subject that's there. You can talk to him about mm-hmm. European politics. You can talk to him about uh, the recessionary trends. And Anand is very thorough and he has phenomenal memory. So he remembers a lot of the stuff that he's read. And, you know, he can come up with quotes and he can come up with stuff which you would be like, oh, wow, okay, that's great. That's something I didn't remember, even if you have read it. And it's a fabulous quality to have at the end of the day. Right, yeah. so that, that was something yeah. that you might not be expecting out of a chess grandmaster to know things about recession and uh, politics, probably. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I would like to get your word in here now. What is Anand doing on the cover of Forbes India? On the surface, it might look like a surprising choice, but if you think about it... Uh, you might ask, why didn't we put him earlier on the cover? <laughs> Basically, it's about Anand as a perfectionist, and uh, he has uh, spent uh, three decades in the limelight, building his career, making comebacks from very bad positions. So if you're building your own career, or if you're building an organization, you know these are the qualities you'll be looking for. And here you have a winner who has lived that, and he's a living example of how you can be. And, um, you know, I'm sure that it will resonate with business news readers because most readers also are grappling with the same questions of handling success and failure. How do you make mid-course corrections when something goes wrong in your life? And that's why we thought uh, we should put him on the cover. Right. You spoke about mid-course corrections. And yesterday when we conversed for a while, you had mentioned that 
he's been around since a long time as a prodigy of 16 or 18 till the time that he's today for 40 so he's lived through different eras of uh, crude ways of playing chess and maybe the technology that has come today to which makes things easier and competitive at the same time i wouldn't say crude but i would put it more like romantic you know <laughs> in the 70s and 80s it was more romantic because you you just played on the board right. uh, yeah he came into the limelight at the age of uh, 11 12 13 and today at the age of 40 he's playing at top form and he's a very gentlemanly person very nice guy he doesn't want to get into conflicts and he's very calm that probably makes people think that you know he's not a very aggressive person or he doesn't he lacks the killer instinct but the fact is that when he starts playing on the board he will kill you he he's as aggressive as attacking as anybody else right. okay he saves his aggression for the chess pieces so that is probably what um, is the biggest uh, take away from his life shrini i get the feeling that you are a chess player and you would have loved to be there with him to play around or something of that sort the way you're speaking about the game <laughs> well you see uh, you know when you're talking of anand you don't call yourself a chess player actually but i have seen him i have uh, gone to the same chess club as he was and ah. uh, mikhail tal chess club in chennai uh-huh. and i have seen him as a kid you know he was a star already he was 11 years 12 years old and he was already a star and there would be a buzz when he walked into that uh, club uh-huh. and he would just sit in one of the boards and he would be playing with much elder people and it is fast blitz variety chess and you you are given 5 minutes to play and the loser has to get up and go and uh, anand never gets up because he keeps winning the other guy gets up and goes you know i've seen him then and you know even then people were saying you know this guy is special marking out he's going to make it big one day so i would like to add to what you know what shrini is saying i mean uh, you know one of his close friends uh, made this point at the national junior championship in 85 in nagpur there were casual games that were happening in twitter about 5 minutes long and uh, anand would be sitting and playing with a book in his hand reading the book and uh, you know while the others are kind of trying hard to win anand would just trash people while reading the book i mean at that age if you're so good i think the people already could see that you know he had tremendous potential right in fact one of my favorite stories from your cover is uh, about uh, fm geller the grandmaster when in 88 he went to coimbatore yeah. to play a tournament and he lost to anand who was only 18 So his friends joked that yeah. he lost to a boy, and he replied, "No, I lost <laughs> to a world champion." Incidentally, it is that tournament. Anand also became grandmaster at the end of the tournament. He won the tournament eventually, right. Right. and within yeah. three years, uh, he was playing the Kapo and Kasparov. And yeah. also, I read that he doesn't kid himself when he is on a winning streak. And I quote from your article that when everything is going right, then you should feel worried because it is perhaps a sign that you haven't picked up on something. Anand definitely makes this point. If you see, and um, it was mentioned the year around 2000. you know when he was constantly winning a lot of games but uh, you know he would come back and tell her another i'm making a lot of mistakes but the thing is that he told himself that because i'm winning which is often the case there is something right that i must be doing and that clouds your judgment quite a bit interesting you say that because anand is very aware over time that even if he wins it could be not because he played well but maybe his reputation preceded him so the sometimes the opponent balks at his reputation so he he's very aware of that fact and probably that's why ashish uh, you mentioned that he went to his wife aruna and and confessed that you know i'm winning but probably it's not because i'm playing well enough yeah anand himself in the interview drawn the contrast 
between the two crises and the many crises that he had mm-hmm. to get him out of the the crisis uh, anand has a pretty eclectic team that helps him through it and you know it's unheard of especially in a game of chess uh, now for instance in tour de france lance armstrong has a peloton to support him in cricket you have bowlers bowling at you in the nets to get that reverse sweep right uh, in the interview mm-hmm. you have with anand he says something important about the teamwork that he has and here's what anand has to say well the first thing i looked for was simply that everyone gets along this is the biggest part because we're going to be together a lot and principally with me so i mean this danish friend of mine i knew him for ages so and in fact he's been my second couple of times i think nelson is a good strategic thinker peter will always go back and say well let's go back by move and see whether we cover everything he wants to sort of cover ground and that's very useful because with him i know that the preparation will be very thorough when he points out 10 more problems then we will work on the 10 more ones but some of the others we work better when he gives us a specific problem to work on there is nothing much going on peter will find issues surya is very thorough if you give him a problem he will sit there and work very hard so in fact the two of them almost complement each other then uh, this polish player radoslav wojtasek him i met in a german league match two times when i was preparing for him i simply noticed that he played very strong chess because i wanted difficult to prepare on the right right lines for him it took me a while because is that Porto seemed to be well worked out no obvious weaknesses that sort of thing so i thought okay his ideas could be interesting in the match for me and the second thing is um, he seemed like a really nice guy so i spoke to him and i don't want to commit yet i just wanted to think about it so i went to him and said can you give me your email he talked for a while said yeah sure and he gave it to me and i tried to look as much as possible but uh, of course uh, after that he said yeah i guess what else uh, what else would you need my email <laughs> uh but he, again i think i was spot on there i think he find very interesting ideas and maybe he's even more thorough than surya so you can have an idea on move 18 but they will check all the alternatives on move 17 and all the alternatives on move 16 and then go a bit further make sure that there's actually as a little surprise as possible around it sometimes it may be unnecessary but they'll make sure that you're well covered and then start about april 2008 or thereabouts or march 2008 perhaps i thought maybe one more player completely and then i thought of kalin jana i would say his strength is he's just very strong practically his thing is he will look at any position and, and he will not tell you whether it's good or bad he will tell you are you happy at the board here if you get this position on move 35 and you open up the time pressure will you be able to deal with it is a very personal question but it's correct because what's the use of having a position that's objectively fine if you are not comfortable with all the mechanisms so he's able to take any context and put it in a competitive situation so you need to get that right and he'll sniff out the practical problems very well and somehow if you combine him and Nielsen so what happens is Nielsen and Kazim will often work together uh, Kazim will say I don't think we should be happy here in a practical situation so Nielsen will check everything and find uh, ideas and then both of them will say okay we have developed this idea to this point now Radek or Surya you check this and make sure that you know just spend a couple of hours here so they'll say that these guys will move on to the next problem so in a way they're able to distribute the work The next thing is that I would say that we share everything. We're very open. So we don't divide the team into you work on this area, so no, no silos. But we just try to find a working arrangement that's comfortable for everyone. So Nielsen and me like to listen to music while we work. But of course we have our taste in songs, so the first few times we have to ask the others, are you okay with this? And I think some of them initially were bit not very happy, I think Radek was not happy in the beginning. everyone like rolling stones so <laughs> you know if anyone protested too loudly that rolling stones came on i love the pet shop boys but i know that people are strong opinions on them and in fact cousin jarno told me the first year he suffered a lot but he says now i love it 
So a bit of this. We we all, we also try to be able to talk about the, uh, each other's case and so on. But, uh, in the end, I think we just got to a good uh, working arrangement. So so now we know that Anand loves the pet shop boy. So you got that bit of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, on a lighter side, I think this is a fabulous way to work, accommodating your team members' taste. So this is a wonderful uh, example of how to go about doing that because it's a multicultural team and uh, people are from different parts of the world and they have different tastes and, and everybody has a different style of working. And that only explains why they don't have silos. He said that we don't have silos and if you have to draw a parallel with uh, the corporate world, companies are wanting to move away from cubicles. Now, it, uh, there was a 2006 article in Fortune which said that uh, cubicles claim the highest percentage sales of office furniture up to $3 billion. <laughs> and and not, not all employees are happy with it. So Anand and his team are keeping it very simple here then. Yeah, you know, each one of them in the team is a national champion and a grandmaster himself. So very, very accomplished chess players. For them to come and be part of Team Anand and work for his success, it's an incredible thing. So for them, it is one journey, right? They are intrigued by the positions on the board and right. the pressure that they get out of it is solving the puzzle. And you have a nice guy at the top. It makes it easy for you to work. You mentioned about solving puzzles because here's what he has to say, how he prepares or sizes up his opponent. Well, you look over all those games. You try to find out what he's really good at. You know, does he defend well? Does he attack well? Does he convert to advantage very efficiently? And then interacting with people over many years, you'll also get a sort of psychological... Uh, insight into that. So, you know, nervous people make sudden mistakes. Calm people don't like very specific problems. They like to deal with positions that you have to defend over a long time, but they may not respond well to specific problems. These kinds of things give you some insight. It's funny, you're sitting with another guy and then after a while you can almost see the breathing. So, the breathing suddenly stops, you think maybe he made a mistake or something like that. And you can feel when someone is edgy or uncomfortable for some reason. The operator himself will have looked at his own game and say, well, I am obviously weak here, so I'm going to move to the next thing. And that's usually how you size up your opponent. For a match, it's different because there you start looking at a person. I would say you do the same thing, but you do it over months and you obsess over it, and therefore it's a different degree. You look at his games once, then you look at another 500 of his games again, then you look at another 500 games again, and then you ask someone else to look at the same games, then you compare observations, and he says, ah, suddenly I noticed this, then you go one level deeper. So it's the same work, but it's just much, much more of it. It's hard work. Watching 500 games is a big task of each and every player and doing it over and over again and sitting down to analyze, that requires uh, some amount of teamwork to get it right, to solve those puzzles like you say. This 500 games is only one part of the preparation because it's backward looking. The opponent similarly is thinking, what is Anand thinking about me? Hmm. So it's a nice puzzle mind game going on there. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and when you say puzzles, I, Abhishek, I do definitely want to, you know, share this anecdotal stuff here. Mm-hmm. You know, at a point in time in 2008, when they were actually preparing for a match against Kramnik, you know, these guys had camped in Bangalore to prepare for Kramnik. And, uh, and by the end of the third day, uh, these guys were working like 10 to 12 hours a day. And uh, then Alan suddenly picks up, uh, you know, starts showing them something from a publication where some guys and... I think Pittsburgh University had come up with some, you know, impossible combinations of chess pieces without pawns. And they were trying to see if they could force a win there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that's like asking uh, or kind of delving on the thought, like how many maiden serving board, you know, in international cricket, which has absolutely no practical application. Right. But Anand was so excited about that, which, which has absolutely no practical, you know, your practical application mm-hmm. for that matter. Exactly, uh, but the flip side is also that uh, Anand is not a monomaniac. He has got a lot of interest. 
things like monty python or uh, canadian stand up comedian uh, russell peters he enjoys those things i mean he lives his life fully that explains the sense of humor too right uh, because there was some part where he said that the first thing that i do when i uh, am building a team is that all of us should get along with each other and principally with me i don't care about the others but they should get along with me <laughs> absolutely i mean um, you know we were discussing it in office the other day can you remember about when you was a kid and yeah. and Bharatan had gone to play in some southeast country and there were all the big greats at that time there was uh, say there was Barua from India all uh, the grandmasters and Anand was also there and Pitsu was in the uh, bathroom or he had just taken a shower and I think Anand gave him a shout or saying that come outside and, and he came outside and then uh, I think a couple of people just pushed him out uh, and almost at the same time all the doors in the whole corridor got shut <laughs> and Tipsy was in a tall uh, standing in the corridor in a, in a foreign country and he was very embarrassed about it and Anand was one of the co-conspirators of that so Anand definitely has a lot of fun uh, in his day-to-day life you know he's very thorough with Danyan.com it's, 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 it's really I would say America's best news source so it's, it's absolutely funny to read it John is, is there Russell Peters of course is is there and his friend says you know about him that if there's any joke that is worth sharing Anand is probably one of the first ones to share it among the team right and for the listeners who are wondering why is this an important part of the conversation why would humor be that great a deal well i guess some of it has rubbed off uh, on the international arena as well and one of the most amusing uh, stories that i read was <laughs> the last paragraph now ashish or sinivas one of you two i would give you the chance because you guys wrote it so it was like uh, the manager the club's manager before the game had you know there's already very intense kind of atmosphere that he's created and criticizing on on that you know that uh, top club is not going to shake hands with him during the match he's not going to talk to one and uh, stuff like that which generally is not the case in the international set well the third match is on generally when you know the match at reach a point where there was definitely a draw and generally the players uh, not to each other look at each other not to each other and after a draw that's how it is right but i guess chaplo you know walked up to the arbiter and he said i would like to offer my adversary a draw mm-hmm. and uh, so the arbiter you know walked up to one and then said that here adversary has said that he would like to offer you a draw and uh, anand replies uh, okay tell me adversary that i accept his offer to draw <laughs> and during that match they did not shake hands you know it is generally how it is i mean you know everybody does shake hands there are no qualms about it so during the press conference after game 3 actually you know where the press reporters are is this the first time that you guys have actually not shaken hands and uh, immediately the tongue in cheek humor of anand comes into play and he says uh, maybe we should have shaken hands to the arbiter that's how he gets back i mean as shinny was saying earlier he leaves everything for the chessboard mm-hmm. uh, definitely with the sense of humor is great i mean but the play that he leaves is is all for the chessboard the aggression that is there all of that is for the chess and nothing outside it yeah. right i i want to go one step backward now and talk about you know this uh, particular incident in sofia that ashish referred to mm-hmm. uh, you know you should understand the kind of tension that came uh, with the match you know the bulgarians what they do is very much similar to what australians do in cricket when a team comes in days before that they start glitching you know they make aggressive statements and they put out statements like you are an old man and you know what game are you going to play you have so many weaknesses we are going to pulverize you that kind of statements and typically these statements upset people and they start making mistakes right. that is their hope but you know they were playing with fire here because with Anand it only makes him more resolute to win 
and uh, what happened this time particularly was in the in the middle of april uh, anand left uh, spain where he lives to go to sofia bulgaria to play this match and he made as far as frankfurt uh, germany uh but uh, this icelandic ash cloud happened and uh, all flights were cancelled he had like hardly a few days to go before the match begins but uh, he was stranded at frankfurt and he waited in the airport for hours together for the for the game, for the flights to resume it never happened so eventually aruna who is his manager uh, generally arranges things when keeps anand out of the uh, nitty gritties she arranged for a mercedes sprinter van and two specialist drivers were brought in and they drove for 40 hours through five countries 2000 kilometers and uh, eventually they reached sofia and you can imagine how tired they would be because they also passed a country like romania where the roads are extremely bad and it was raining throughout the weather was bad and uh, anand could not prepare anything or think about chess for those five days because he was focused on you know just traveling and and you know taking the stress of the road travel and he reached bulgaria and he asked for four days postponement of the match mm-hmm. the bulgarian refused because they thought here is a chance to play a tired uh, guy right. so actually what happened was in first match uh, the first game they played anand forgot a set of moves and lost the game in 29 moves or so so you know this probably worked and because they declined that they postponement and they gave him only one extra day right but then yeah. you know two champions overcome all these and Complain about situation. They just focus on playing the game. So he just went back and you know relaxed and f- forgot about the first chance. Came back from the second match. He dominated the whole proceedings. So yeah. that was a heroic effort. The sledging continued after that also. You know the people were making statements about Anand at uh, different forums, and uh, that was the kind of tension that came into play with. And that's why this handshake did not happen and so on. <laughs> right. Shrini and Ashish, thank you so much for your time and giving us the taste of uh, Anand. And hopefully, a few more people will read about the man because there is not much written about Vishwanathan Anand in mass media. So, looking forward to this cover story. Thank you so much, Shrini and Ashish. Thanks, thanks for the great conversation. And for all you listeners out there, you can get this podcast on uh, the two websites. That is the Forbes India homepage, business.in.com, and you can also get it on theindicast.com.